Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, Flight Paniacs, Flight Fam. How you doing? Steve Jacoba back here. And I, yeah, I, I took a little time off last week. Uh, just popped into BSH Radio, said hello, had my cup of coffee with them, and uh, I'm back with Flyperbole. And I have Kurt with me. So happy to have Kurt with me. Kurt, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good. I'm doing good. We're here to talk about definitely a lot of hockey we're going to talk about tonight because there's just so much happening with the Philadelphia Flyers right now. Just a lot going on. Just nonstop Flyers news. It's been nice. I know, you know, we, we shouldn't admit this out loud, but it's been nice to not think about the Flyers much the last few weeks. It's just, you know, not a thing we've had to do, really, which, oh, you know. I, I've been loving it. Certainly, certainly <laughs> not as much it. as we were before. Well, things have just gotten so toxic by the end of the season. And just like there's no discourse that's acceptable on this team right now. So I'm hoping that once people are able to get back out into the world and live their lives again, then maybe they can come back to hockey and be a little bit more, you know, courteous to each other. Courteous since it's like me. Yeah, I, I think. Char- yeah, Charlie talked a little tweeted a little bit about this yesterday. And I mean, you know. Whatever he has to put up with with his in his mentions, fortunately, I usually don't have to. Crazy just sort of go to him. You like to think that it's just a confluence of factors that aren't going to be repeatable in a somewhat more normal year. You know, also hope that things continue to approach normal more than they are now. But yeah, I mean, it's just sucked. We all needed some time to not talk about this team, to not think about this team after the year that just transpired. And, you know, we got that. So, and here to talk more about him, well, you know, hopefully it's going to be an eventful off season. So we're going to be prepared to talk a lot more, but you know, we need some time. You just, you know, get away from, get away from the orange men on the ice sport. Plenty of other ice sport to look at, but not that, not this team, not right now. I'm enjoying the other ice sport right yeah. now. It's a lot of fun. Like it's been a good playoff so far. Yeah, Honestly, the first round was, I mean, it, it usually is, but first round this year was really good. Just like, you know, the divisional, the divisional layout here, I don't, I didn't love it coming in, but can't say these haven't by and large been really good matchups. Second round so far, so good. We'll we'll get to that later on. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, we're at the time of year where, you know, especially, you know, the last couple weeks where the NBA and NHL are both in their first round. Like you can turn on the TV at any point and be like, yeah, sports everywhere. And then on the weekends, just like 1 PM to 1 AM, you can watch games. And it's like, this is awesome. Well, I think it should be like this all the time. 
granted, those are the nights when the NHL didn't decide when they should have like three 7 p.m. games at once. Or like, we're going to stagger them to 7 and 7.30. So, you know, some nights they get it right. Some nights they get it right. And it's just like, why don't they do that other nights? Like, you know, 7 and 7.30, that's great. Like, you know, one of them, one game hits intermission and the other one's got 15 minutes left in the period. Then, you, you know that one ends and the next one's got 15 minutes left in the next period. It's, it's, you know, it's perfect. Why can't we just always do this? And you know, the way they staggered out throughout the weekend, I guess, I guess they do that during the regular season, not as much as they should. I know like early on in the season, I guess, but back when it, during times where the schedule's regular in like October, November, they don't typically put games during the day on weekends because probably because they're afraid of football, but like, you know, on, on, in playoff weekends, they'll just have 12 straight hours of hockey or as close to 12 straight hours of hockey as they can. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Do that. I, I like I like it. Well, and it's also nice having still or still having a relevant team. It's not a hockey team, but having a team in the playoffs right now. Sixers just finished beating the Wizards in the first round. And uh, great to see, although not great to see Joel and B go down with an injury. But and we're not going to get too much into this. But I just want to say for a minute, you know, go Sixers. I'm I'm very excited that they're doing well. And hopefully they can keep this momentum going, even with Embiid's injury. Like it's it's just nice to have somebody to root for and somebody with expectations. Go Sixers. Knees are bullshit. That's 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 the whole message. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. I, I, to your point, this isn't a Sixers podcast, but they're very fun, even without Embiid. You know, they they're a little clunky, but they should. You know, if they can win without him, and then if he's somewhat healthy when they play Brooklyn or Milwaukee, that should be a really fun series. And I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it's you know, it's a good time for sports right now, and you know, hope hopefully it remains that way indefinitely. But it's a good time for sports right now. It's a good time for sports right now. And I, I really think Embiid might be at this time, my favorite non-hockey athlete. Like I just love watching this guy, just the attitude he brings every night. He's so much fun. He is a personality that Philadelphia sports have not seen. I mean, like his unique personality, they've probably never seen something like that. He's a combination of like this era of basketball and, you know, all his social media bullshit which he you know was entertaining and he's largely scaled it back there was a um really good piece about that the other day about how he you know grew up i think that was in um i think a washington post actually wrote a really good piece about him about how he you know used about how which we've all seen he used to be a total goofball and now he's you know still a goofball but not as much of one and um but no like his personality is the kind of thing that you know we need in sports and also he's really good and yeah, I, I'm trying to think if they're like the last athlete around here that was like that. And I mean, specifically like him, I can't think of one. But in terms of just overall personalities that dominated the sports scene here in Philadelphia, like Iverson, maybe. Iverson? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and, you know, that's sort of how page. basketball is compared to, say, hockey, where unless you've literally got a McDavid or Crosby type and, you know, say what you will about their talent, those two are as exciting as a jar of mayonnaise, <laughs> but like, you know, personalities don't reign supreme in sports like that. And I wait, going down this road, I do. It's not on the outline here. Do we need to talk about Stephen A talking about hockey? Did you, did you see, the, did you see those clips? Yeah. I saw those. And clips. people They're got great. so like, mad because he's like, well, he doesn't understand hockey. He doesn't get a team game. Yeah. I mean, that, well, Hey, that's kind of the joke. And, like, he says up front, like, yeah, I don't really know hockey, but I know that this is ridiculous. Like, A, that's kind of the joke. And, B, 
no, actually, it's definitely bad that a team with two of the five best players in the league got swept in the first round. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it is. And it's worth saying, like, I think it's worth dunking on the Oilers for having two of the best. You know, I was, I was talking with Charlie about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, the Oilers have two of the top ten players, if not the top five players, in the NHL. And they also have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And they got swept. Their asses got swept. And the Jets didn't even have Ehlers for mm -mm. half the series. Like, I, I'm sorry. There is no excuse not for that. Good. That's ridiculous. It's not good. And, I mean, you know, on the note of Stephen A., I'll notice, you know, I, I watching some NBA games and sometimes out on the postgame show, they'll have, like, the topics and hockey showing up on the list of topics on ESPN like af right after these basketball games like that that didn't used to happen hasn't happened no, in a while no, I haven't I don't think that's happened since the 90s Probably at this not. point no and I I love to see it and I, I'm excited to see how the game can kind of transform media wise over the next few years and yeah we're gonna have to see some more hot take guys come come on and just like spew this stuff I need but it people are gonna get somebody... so mad I'm, I'm excited. We're going to get furious. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back in the discourse. And, you know, like we're starting to see big names like TNT's bringing on Wayne Gretzky and Wayne Gretzky might not be, again, he's a hockey personality, but TNT, I think is going to do enough production wise. And that's a friggin' name at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Yeah, like absolutely. if you're going to have somebody talk about hockey, who's going to dispute Wayne Gretzky's take on hockey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hope that it leads to good discourse there, but you know, you, you want them to be, want them to be, you know, you want them to be like personable and entertaining. And sometimes with guys like this, they're just sort of saying it as it is, or as, as they see it, you know, you want a show where there's a little bit of pushback. Cause I mean, you watch, you watch the TNT NBA show. You've got Shaq and Charles Barkley, just like talking a whole mess at each other. And it's like, if you can recreate that dynamic, that like, that's the goal. That's the goal. And I don't, I've yet to see, you know, NBC or whoever else really replicate that. And if TNT knows how to do that, and ESPN knows how to do that, which in fairness, like generating bullshit like this is sort of what they've, you know, turned into over the last decade for better or worse, often worse. You know, you see, I don't know, the likes of Skip Bayless and how guys like that turn into international sports media icons because ESPN pumps them up because they'll just say whatever they can. And I'm not saying I want hockey to become that, but hockey men takes it. These shows are already sometimes kind of boring. So, and they're not good, like not any better than hot take artists would be. So I don't know. I'm up for it. I'm, I'm willing to give it time. I'm willing to, I'm willing to right. see how it goes. Well, that's the thing. NBC's kind of half-heartedly mm -hmm. tried this with Jeremy Roenick and Mike Milbury. And those guys <laughs> just suck. They're not even entertaining. God, like, Jeremy Roenick. <sighs> Jeremy Roenick should have been great. He should have been like hockey's premier, like fun personality. And he just sucks. And he's just a dumbass. And I mean, we're not don't even need to get into anything that led to him, like all the stuff that led to him losing his job. Like don't even need to get into that. But no. like, God, yeah, there's, you know, he could be entertaining, but he's just a, he's just an idiot. Just an idiot. You hate, you hate idiot. to see you, you genuinely hate to see it. Not, not in the sarcastic way. You genuinely hate to see it. <laughs> not an ounce of sarcasm in there. You hate to see it. And yeah, it sucked that that happened. And I'm hoping they can just find, it might be like squeezing blood from a stone, right? But hopefully there is some ounce of fun and it's something that they can get out of the NHL in this new coverage. I, I just really hope that they can upgrade it because it's just been so stale with NBC for the last forever. Yeah, I, um, you know, it'll be it'll be fun to see what happens there. It will be fun. to Wor see. What worst case, there. it's the same, which would be disappointing, but. 
best case, they come up with a way to, you know, again, take what they've done with, with other sports and apply it here. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I'd like to see some new camera angles, some new... I, I feel like NBC had such a great opportunity last year with the playoffs, with nobody in the stands mm-hmm. to to get some new interesting camera angles, something going on. And they just did the same shit. Yeah. It was so disappointing with, the, with, the cra- with, you know, no crowd and fake crowd noise where possible. And like, you know, like you could stick a cameraman literally anywhere you want in that stadium. Mm-hmm. And they just did nothing. And the fake crowd noise. God, I hated that fake crowd noise this year has been, I feel like the flyers have, and maybe it's like this in other arenas. I, I, you know, was so, burnt out watching the Flyers this year that I didn't watch as much hockey as I otherwise normally would have, but same. Like it felt like the Flyers would lean on the fake crowd noise like really obviously at certain times. I remember early in the season there was a penalty that was called and like the ref skates to center ice and announces like Buffalo number seven like making up numbers or Buffalo number seventeen, two minutes for interference. And you hear just the absolute fucking loudest fake crowd noise cheer that i have ever heard it's like the last time i heard a crowd that loud was like at like watching an eagles playoff game like it's it is absurd how much noise they pump in at the weirdest moments like i they took like spectrum noise from the 80s yeah yeah to your point there's no no imagination there and you know it was clearly still there to a degree when the fans were back because you know stadiums were only 20 percent, 25 percent, scaling up a little bit now well, and you've certainly heard about it from the the play-by-play guys just constantly. Oh, we got the fans back. Oh, I feel not... like every broadcast, it's just, they have to talk about the fans for like three quarters of the broadcast. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, they're back. We get it. Just talk about the damn game. Can't, can't believe we were playing without these fans. Bringing, bringing that energy. Bringing the noise. Bringing the noise out, Doc. No, no, Doc's not there. It's just when I think of Pierre talking. I'm sitting at home just trying to figure out where the fans are? What's what's going on here, Pierre? Oh, Doc, uh, this fan right here, you know, went to games with the Halifax Mooseheads. You know, I I I can only, I I can't do that voice for that long. I think it hurts my throat. I mean, it, um. it, it does start to hurt your throat after a while. Doc, let me tell you, I started just going down to random rinks wherever I could find them, any open hockey I could find. I started just talking about it. Just sat there like a creep and talked about it. Doc, back to you, Doc. Pierre Maguire talking about two things, where fans are, like where, you know, the history of fans in the stands and analytics. That dude, no, there was that quote, like that quote from a radio hit he had yesterday going around. But I like any time a player scores goal in a game, Pierre Maguire is common, like in doing color commentary on. He's like, listen, the analytics can't tell you about this thing this guy does. Let me tell you right here. (laughs) He passes the puck to a player. And then the player scores a goal. You know what? The analytics can't tell you about that. Let, let me tell you about that, Hydezo. The analytics, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know what this guy's doing here. He's taking the puck and he's giving it to another player. Yeah, we. no number can capture that. Like, And then, you know, there was the quote yesterday about how the two teams that built their teams through analytics, the Maple Leafs and Oilers, are now eliminated. And, like, I, I don't want to give this a ton of time. I, I don't feel the need to be on a soapbox about it, but – he talks about analytics more than anyone I know. And my my Twitter, my hockey Twitter timeline skews somewhat analytics heavy. It may not surprise you to know that. And like he, yeah, he yeah. talks about it more than anyone. And it's like at, at some point, Pierre, you're just the kid who has a crush on analytics and doesn't want to say anything about it. 
I was going to say that. That's true. Like it's starting to, I'm starting to suspect like he just doesn't understand analytics and he's very insecure about it. Well, so he's, he feels he's probably insecure because he thinks he he, like he's, you know, gone on to radio hits before and basically said, I'd love an NHL job. And he sees all these, you know, nerds with their calculators and their spreadsheets that are getting NHL jobs. And he's like, I think that should be me. And I guess he thinks that using his platform to talk about how they're all wrong about everything is going to get him somewhere. As if you can't Google, uh, what's the, what's the article? Pierre Mc wire uh this one i mean the guy doesn't have a good reputation anyway shape or form so i like i crack up every four years when the penguins get mentioned for pierre mcguire potentially being their gm and it's like you know it's not gonna happen guys stop it stop mentioning him yeah i'm, I'm trying to remember the article like every so often it comes up with pierre mcguire like his history in hartford and i, I think it's it might be this one here titled mcguire's tenure a bad situation um, oh, with one, yeah, begins with one brush of his newly recovered powers Thursday. General Manager Paul Holmgren, oh, hey, did more to unify the Whalers than anybody in recent team history. Holmgren fired coach Pierre Maguire after six months. It was more than a great idea, it was justice. <laughs> <laughs> it was justice. That's just, that's just great writing right there. In 15 years covering the NHL, we had never seen a coach so universally disrespected and disliked within his own organization. <laughs> Jesus. Like, uh, he's just, he's just got a very punchable face. Just, yeah. he is a guy you want to punt into outer space mm -hmm. and watching him make players uncomfortable for the past decade plus on NBC really has been an experience. It sure has. Let me tell you. He hasn't been signed to one of the new jobs yet, right? I don't think so. I don't think he's, I don't think he's been, um, no, I, I don't, I, hope I thought I saw a couple really days ago not. someone said he hasn't yet. And it would be neat if it stays that way. You know, I, I'm not one to root for people losing their jobs, but like he's got, he's surely got money. You know, he can. He's he got can a stop, nest egg. He, he can stop to. doing it's, this. His <laughs> head's shaped like an egg. He, he certainly has a nest egg. Oh, well, we know, we know Edzo's got a job. He's got to keep covering that sport, that horse racing, but he's going to do hockey too. What's NBC sport? Oh, NBC sports network is, is going away at the end of this year. If I remember right. And yeah, I guess going other than too. I mean, I guess they can still do stuff on NBC and those other networks. But like, uh, well, I think that Daytona was there the other day. Like, I, I, I'm trying to remember. I think that was the case. I don't really watch it. But... They've never taken the ponies away from NBC. No, yeah. We, we all know this is NHL fans very bitterly. They will start the Kentucky Derby coverage like five hours before the Kentucky Derby. And they will preempt any high stakes NHL action Often that's going on games. just to get. Yep. Just to get Big Hat and Mint Julep coverage. Yeah, well, that, I remember that almost trampled over a Flyers playoff game a bunch of years ago. And I think they got blown out, so it didn't matter. But, <laughs> yeah. I was prepared going into that game to be furious if they were going to preempt it. And then I, I ended up being furious at the Flyers for being the Flyers. As we often do. As we often do. I mean, at least we're in a better, better spot right now than Leafs fans. Like, the reaction of Maple Leafs fans since they lost to the Montreal Canadiens in the first round has been hysterical to me, like burning jerseys left and right. Mm. Like they are burning and they're burning, not even like guys whose jerseys they should burn. Like they're burning like Austin Matthews jerseys. Finally, <laughs> finally a time where we can ask, how does this affect the Maple Leafs and not feel ridiculous about it? Because yeah, it's, it is fascinating to see what they're going to do. Cause that front office doesn't seem like one that's going to overreact at the same time. Like, are they going to have a choice? Are they going to be able to get through this offseason without 
making some big move. I know that people there are really mad at Mitch Marner because, in fairness, he makes too much money for... He's a very, very, very good player who is still overpaid for what he does. And he's stunk it up in the playoffs the last couple times they've been there. And are they... Would they consider trading him? Can you can you do that with a guy who makes $11 million? And, I mean, it seems like... I don't think they're going to fire Keith. I'd be surprised by that, but I'd be surprised what's going to be on the table there. Like they're, they've been in a crappy cap situation for a while and I don't think they can, you know, hide a, pl- I don't think they're good enough to hide their best player on IR all season. Like Tampa did. <laughs> Who knows? Matthews, you just, you just hide over here. Well, the thing is, once you put the Maple Leafs back in a division that isn't a cakewalk, they're not. Yeah. That division could be tricky next year. If assuming they yeah. go back to regular divisions, I mean, Tampa's still really good. Boston's still really good. Florida took a big step forward last year in a way that seems like it's sustainable. Um, Montreal, I have no idea what to make of. I have no idea. Montreal is a conundrum to me. Montreal or Ottawa is still bad. We'll we'll get to them. We'll get to them. They're still bad, but they should be better than they were this year. Buffalo would be hard for them to be worse. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be in for it. And I mean, I, I would think they'll still make the playoffs, but you never know. Take all it takes is something to go wrong. I didn't think there was any chance the Flyers were going to miss the playoffs this year, and uh, here we are. I thought there was a chance, but I didn't. I, I think you know most models had them at like 75, 80, like seventy-five ish, eighty-ish percent chance to make the playoffs coming into the season. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Because I mean, you knew, you knew Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, all like there was a decent chance they were going to be good. You knew the Islanders like had a weird year last year, came into the came into the bubble and looked like gangbusters. And it's like, all right, well, which team are they? Are they the good team or the not as good team? And they were mostly the good team. And I was sort of holding out hope that Pittsburgh, with its defense consisting of Cody Cece and Mike Matheson and, you know, a bunch of other terrible players behind Chris Letang, was going to just be terrible. And somehow, because everything that that town shits out and puts onto a sandwich with French fries, like, just turns into gold. It just turns into gold. And Cody Cece, Kakapipi himself, had this great year as a Penguins defenseman. And I'm like, why can't we get that? Why can't we just get one year where a dude that's not supposed to be good is good? Why can't that just happen to us? We get the opposite, where guys that are supposed to be good end up being just utter shit. We, the only guy we've ever lucked out with was Matt Niskanen. Because I think a lot of people had their doubts about that move when Chuck Fletcher made it. And... He ended up working out better than anticipated and promptly retired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking – and, you know, the the Flyers, to their credit, clearly thought that that was going to work. You don't trade a younger player who makes half of what the other guy makes if you don't think that guy's clearly much better than the guy we're giving up. And to their credit, they were right. He was. Like, he was really good. And, you know, they deserve credit for that kind of thing. You know, Justin Braun. Different people seem to have different different opinions on Justin Braun. I think he's a totally fine, you know, four or five defenseman who probably they paid too much for in that trade, but I think he largely lived up to expectations. He gets blown away sometimes, but for the most part, he's fine. In terms of people the Flyers have acquired who drastically overachieved, like maybe Radko Gudis? I mean, crap. Like he, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, they got, no, I, I would agree they got him as a throw-in in the Coburn trade. Oh, Steve Mason. Duh. Steve Mason is, is the is the one obvious example of a guy that the Flyers acquired who I was sure was going to suck and then was good. 
Like that's the one instance in the last decade that I can think of where I'm like, oh yeah, he, I thought he'd be terrible. Oh, I, I thought that was a horrific trade when they made it. I just couldn't believe the balls on this franchise to go and get a guy who was just ruined goods, in my opinion. Yeah, here's here's an organization that hasn't done goaltending right in 20 years. Let's get the guy who was the worst goalie in the NHL over the last three and see what happens. And incredibly, in, in you know, point eighty five hundred seventeen that goaltending is bullshit and no one knows anything, it mostly worked out. Yeah. Yeah, it mostly worked out, but it's it's so funny because you can't argue that for what they traded for Steve Mason, they got incredible value. Oh, no question. I mean, it was like a third round pick, and I think Michael. They, I believe they traded Michael Layton as part of that deal, if I remember right. Ah, oh, not late. Jeez, gee willikers. But like half the fan base absolutely hates his guts still, even though he completely overachieved. Yeah, I mean, I I thought I thought his tenure worked out great. Like, he was there for three years and was largely good in them. And then in the last half of a year, he tailed off a bit. So the Flyers didn't, you know, give him some contract they would regret. Went some went to, I think, Winnipeg, stunk, and got bought out. And I don't remember what he's doing. I think he's recording a podcast now. I, I feel like I saw that somewhere. But as, as, you know, as white guys in their 30s do. Um, no, no comment. No comment. <laughs> No comment. No, none, none at all. I certainly can't relate to that. To be fair, I've been doing this since my, my 20s. Yes, you have. You have. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since I could not record a podcast. No, uh, no that, that, I just can't not do it. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. You didn't. Is Aaron Lewis from Stained on this podcast right now? Credit to you for knowing the stained guy's name. I just kind of assumed we have mentioned. I will tell you at this point, we have mentioned the stained guy on here so goddamn much over the years that I can't not know his name. The the Mount Rushmore of flyperbole, uh, the stained guy, Paul Smashmouth, Paul um, Smashmouth, and Fred Durst. and Owen Wilson, of course. Owen Wilson, yeah. I guess Fred Durst is like off to the side in his backwards hat, going, "Yo, gosh." In my in my head, all Fred Durst pretty much says is like "yo" and spits like Fred or you know Limp Biscuit lyrics. I almost said Fred Durst lyrics. Durston. But, you know, Durston he's the Durston. Whole time. He's always Durston. He's never not Durston. I Durst often while recording this podcast. I'm Durston right now nice. wearing that backwards hat. But you know, I got to control the sweat in my basement somehow. God, I need central air. God, we got Owen Wilson yeah. in there, and Owen Wilson in the news today too. Oh wow. wow! Yeah, that you brought this to my attention, Kurt. Apparently, Wedding Crashers Two is going to happen. And number one, my question is why. My, number two, my comment is, oh wow! And number three, are these guys, in the words of the immortal Danny Glover, getting too old for this shit? Because they're they're in their fifties. They like, might be. They might be getting too old see, for this shit. Do we want to see these guys in their fifties crash? the weddings anymore i i guess it'll be fun trying yeah, to think, trying to think of unanswered questions from the original one which i actually watched not that long ago does bradley cooper's guy really still go by the name sack with an s because if he does i hope he shows up and we get some clarity on that because that's just not a name for a person that's actually that's an interesting question too because bradley cooper has had quite a transformation from when wedding crashers was made he really has it, the guy he's playing in that is just like 
like just the douchiest guy imaginable. And now he's just like cool Bradley Cooper with that long hair and just like, you know, he's just a chill dude now. Like I can't, I can't imagine him like slipping back into those shoes. Truly, truly one of, you know, Philadelphia's greatest creations. That's true. Mm -hmm. Go birds. I've always said this, go birds. Yeah. So that's one. Uh, What's Todd up to the, the the kid at at the house? What's, what's he doing? Um, Mm. And yeah, are they like, Who's, yeah, I, I I need to know the logistics of this, like how this all works. Because I, I like did that. Was there some sort of did one of them go into some dark spiral? Because you know they they ride off in the sunset. Like, what are are they in some sort of deep spiral? And they're you know drunks crashing weddings in their fifties. Are they, are we gonna just pretend that they're not in their fifties? Uh, are they gonna teach a new generation of wedding crashers? Which you know. <laughs> That's obvious for spinoff potential right there. I don't think anybody wants to see that. I just want to focus more on the funeral crashing industry, you know, but oh with Will Ferrell and the funeral crashing. Oh, Let's geez. do more of that. Just the entire movie is funeral crashing. God, that was so uncomfortable. It was, oh, but, you know, Ma the Meatloaf is still in a, 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 an eternal line right there. <laughs> Ma, the Meatloaf! Chaz. With with I, I I pulled up the Wikipedia page for Wedding Crash to see what I can remember. Chaz with two Z's. I did not know that Chaz was spelled with two Z's in this particular well, right. movie. Uh, good to know. Took one of the Z's from Sheets. <laughs> Sheets. Sheets initially had twelve Z's. You can order hoagies and fries. Well, you can order fries for sure. You know, you can get you can order fries. Like fries. I don't know if you can you get want. French fries, but you can get fries. I don't know if I call them edible fries, but you know, maybe I'm just a hater. I am a hater. You might. But I'm also hater. right. Yeah, you can be both. Porque no los dos. <laughs> yeah, Wedding Crashers too. I it's just I, I guess they have to cash in on everything at this point. Just recycle everything. Whenever you know, just when in doubt. Yeah, when in doubt, reference something old. And people are like, wow, that's new and exciting. We'll see, I'll, I'll I'll probably watch it. Who it am works I for the Flyers. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, this team. Listen, it, the Flyers. Whenever in doubt, let's have a night for I don't know somebody from the '90s that we've forgotten about. What's Michael Renberg to bring him back? Let's have a Michael Renberg night. Like it's, I mean, the Flyers have always been good at cashing in on nostalgia. Thank God they got rid of that big old mean Ron Hextall who just couldn't. He couldn't you know give the, the alumni the proper didn't, respect? Yeah, didn't didn't let the alumni just sit around during practice and go all like big time wanking mode. I mean, yeah, how how dare he? How dare well, he? Ron Hextall's Mr. the enemy now. He he's a traitor and he I hate enemy. him. He stinks. Yeah. But you know, he does. That's why he shaved his goatee. He actually he actually turned in. You know how usually an evil version of somebody has the goatee. Mm-hmm. Evil Ron Hextall has yeah, no goatee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the, the picture him, from his his clean season availability the other day. Someone tweeted it out, and I'm like, he looks much too clean shaven. It's it's like a Yankees situation where he's this he's you know got his whole setup, and he gets there, and they're like, no, you have to. We all have to look the same. And he you know definitely got a little more gray in his hair, and um yeah, no no goatee doesn't it do, doesn't suit him doesn't suit him. No, he needs it back. He needs to go back to it. But you know, also uh, screw him. He's the traitor. He's the enemy, and. He's uh, corrupted. I say corrupted Jeff Carter like Jeff Carter wasn't corrupted previously, but I just I'm still just astonished and saddened by the success of Jeff Carter as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, Yeah, to that end, it it is darkly funny. And by funny, I mean, please throw me off a bridge. 
over the fact that in four plus years as the Flyers general manager, Ron Hextall once acquired a player who was unequivocally an upgrade for this team. That play like acquired like an established NHL player that was unequivocally an upgrade for this team, that being James Van Riemsdyk. And he was here for, you know, 25 games to see that through and then he left. And then after being in Pittsburgh for two months, he goes and trades for Jeff Carter, who by all accounts was not having – is, you know, old and not having a great year in L.A. And he's just like – looks like it's 2012 again. I don't know how that city does it. I don't – and – God, I, I just – Must be something Pittsburgh. in the water. Pittsburgh, yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't – I don't know what I it is. I... Car- I can't believe Je- that contract that Paul Holmgren gave Jeff Carter – a decade ago is about to is a year away from expiring now we're all old. that's crazy yeah that made me feel want to feel old jeff carter's contract's almost up goodness but we're still many years away still from Ilya brizgalov finally being done with the flyers uh, being i done know that Ilya one's 2027 because travis has the draft safe from his literally every time i log into broad street hockey when i log into broad street hockey later tonight it's going to be there it's scheduled for july 1st 2027 for the for we gotta throw a party those of you who want to peek behind the curtain uh here travis a couple years ago like travis hughes you know broad street hockey founder and longtime site manager uh as i partly as a joke but also you know he did this he tweeted out on july 1st you always got to be prepared and he put together a story saying or a story with the headline Ilya Brizgalov's uh, like buyout has now ended or something along those lines. And he scheduled it for July 1st, 2027 at noon, which is the day and time that Ilya Brizgalov's buyout will be over. And every single, to Steve's point, every single time we open up the, uh, the dashboard on our site, that is there sitting at the top. It's been there for about six years and it will be there for another six until Ilya Brizgalov's contract uh, or his buyout expires. We have to have a party for that. Like that just screams. Well, what day of the week is July 1st, 2027 is what I need to find out right now. July 2027. What's it look like? In the year 2027. It's a Thursday. All right. looks like we're taking a four day weekend. Thirsty Thursday, babies. Thirsty Thursday for Ilya Brzezgalov's contract being done. I am in. It's a party. Save the date for six more years, my friends. Oh, that's going to be good. And I wonder if in the meantime, Ilya Brzezgalov will still just show up to Flyers games, which is is so funny to me that he does that. Just goes to Flyers games like a fan, just watching the team. It's such a, like, massive slap across the face, and... You know, at this point, it's just hysterical. Do you think he just shows up to the gate, like the the box office, and is like, "You you know where to you, you know where to have, you know how to pay for this? Come on!" and just walks right in. It's me, Briz. Why you have to be mad? Why you have to be it's mad? Let me game. in. Let me into usual section. It just, I would love to see the like the, the whatever the ticket buying process is. However, he gets his seats. It just cracks me up whenever he's there because like, and they'll never put him on the big screen for that. Like, you know, when Peter Forsberg comes back or Kimo Timo and they'll show him on the big screen, Mm -hmm. I'll be like, yeah, Kimo Timo. If they showed Briz, I'm pretty sure there'd be a riot. Be ruthless booze. And, you know, I'm not going to say poor guy. He's a guy who got paid a lot of money to play hockey and he just didn't. So whatever. But he would get booed and it would be kind of funny. 
I would actually love to see it if he would embrace it and just like a wrestling heel kind of way. Like, like Embiid has taken that on, which mm-hmm. is one of the, my yeah. favorite things that I've seen. Oh, absolutely. Embiid doing the playoffs is like in Washington when he missed the dunk and everybody was like giving him shit. He was like, okay, okay, whatever. Yeah, I get it. And then he came back and he dunked it and was just Two like, ba- he might as well flip the crowd off. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was funny. That's hysterical. I, so if Briz did that, like if he just like, I don't know. Like kind of did like a like Grinch like like I can't hear you kind of thing when the crowd was booing him. That'd be phenomenal. <laughs> Joel Embiid came to Philadelphia as a result of the Philadelphia team winning a lottery. You know what? Philadelphia team didn't win a lottery this week. The Philadelphia Flyers. You are in our Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, but their chances were so high, Kurt. The the yes the um ninety eight point four percent chance that they were not going to win the first overall pick did indeed convey. They did not move up. They didn't move down. You know, there was a like a, a some percent, like a some small single digit percent chance that they would drop. Same way there was, they go up, and it was like a ninety five percent chance they'd stay where they are, and they did. Drop. So they are now, and every, it's it's a little funny that like every single place that officially has talked about this says the Flyers are picking fourteenth, and then there's a little asterisk that says Flyers are actually picking thirteenth because the Coyotes cheated. So the Flyers are picking thirteenth. Did the Coyotes cheat, or did they just sign an asshole knowingly to a? Uh, did they draft a, an asshole knowingly? No, um, I think this was be- to this was they... because, if I remember correctly, this was because they were doing like secret, like workouts with, um, with. I should really remember this. I remember thinking, who cares? I'm getting my Coyotes scandals mixed up. I think this. <laughs> I think this was because it's, it's they were wild doing like that. The Coyotes have multiple scandals. Yeah first round pick why did the coyotes lose their first round pick oh no that was last year that was last year uh in the 2020 draft and that like they drafted a dude who had a like real bad incident in his history um why did they have to forfeit their pick this time around yeah they they violated the pre-draft scouting process they accused the organization of conducting pre-draft physical fitness testing of more than 20 prospects prior to the 2019 nhl draft but Gary Bettman told me, told them they could. I'm glad that the NHL is really cracking down on the things that matter. <laughs> Goodness. That's the NHL. You know, they don't crack down on any physical violence whatsoever because boys will be boys. But no pre-draft workouts. Yeah. No, 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 sir. That was the, no, that was sir. The, well, I'll say that was the draft for which the Coyotes traded up into the Flyers spot when the Flyers traded down and then didn't draft the small goals boy twice. So... You know, I'll take. I'm glad the Coyotes scouted to the point where they wanted to trade up. Worked for me. Um, got the Flyers the second round pick, which they then used to get Bobby Brink. So you know, maybe we're winners here. Maybe, but if you ask anybody who loves Cole Caulfield, they are not. Yeah, winners. yeah. The, the the small goals boy is helping score goals. Uh, I like Cam York. I like Cam York. He he looked good in his limited NHL time. Hopefully, he makes the team next year. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the Flyers will be drafting 13. Officially 14th. They will be drafting 13th. We don't need to talk about yeah. it like this. NHL just making it as confusing as possible. Let me run down the draft order very, very quickly, because who has time to do this slowly? Buffalo Sabres, Seattle Kraken, Anaheim Ducks, New Jersey Devils, Columbus Blue Jackets, Detroit Red Wings, San Jose Sharks, Los Angeles Kings, Vancouver Canucks, Ottawa Senators, Chicago Blackhawks, Calgary Flames, Philadelphia Flyers, wow. Dallas Stars, and the New York Rangers. That is a list of teams, indeed. That is a list of teams in the National Hockey League. Se- Seattle, uh, C- Seattle didn't get the Vegas shaft because when Vegas did their first draft, they ended up um, sixth, if I remember right. That was the year the Flyers got Nolan Patrick. Womp womp. Uh, no, Seattle, Seattle going second. You know that's good for them. That's good for them. 
That is good for them. I'm happy for them. I'm happy Buffalo got number one. I mean, I don't, you know, whoever they draft, it's going to be a complete waste. I wouldn't say happy, but, you know, good for them. <laughs> I'm minorly happy for the miserable residents of Buffalo, New York. Yeah, that's fair. Like, they're still, you know, they're still up there at the top of every, you know, TV market ranking. It's wild. And I saw that they dropped a lot this year, probably because the Sabres were just, even by their recent standards, very bad. But, you know, good for them. The not consensus, but generally agreed upon first overall pick in this draft seems to be Michigan defenseman Owen Power. Um, So no one team should have all that power, but it looks like the Buffalo Sabres are going to get him. (laughs) Nice. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know Maddie watches, watched a lot of Michigan hockey this year and she seems to think he's very good. And I mean, you know, he again, seems to be the near consensus number one pick here. So good for them. It's Buffalo. certainly a great name. Oh. Owen power is, you know, that, that's a pretty badass name. right? Yeah. Now. That's also, a good name. His name good could name. be power Owen. Yeah. Or Powen Ower. Poe and hour. hour. That sounds like a game of Thrones character or star Wars. That sounds like star Wars. <laughs> I like it. Pulling out. Second over guy who's I'm mostly seeing as the second overall pick, also from Michigan, Matthew Beignets. Beignets. Let's go with beignets because it makes me hungry. Look, it looks a little, yeah. I uh, do do love a little beignets. Uh, man, that Michigan team must have been really good because I think they were the ones that like essentially had to exit the NCAA tournament because of COVID problems, which sucks real bad because that team had a lot of good players on it. And I saw that the other day, I think that Cam York was named the best defenseman on that team. So, you know, if guy who's going to be the first pick in the draft is there, it's a good sign. Good sign. Yeah. Um, but sign. yeah, so um, cracking first project or projected pick, Matthew Beniers. And as you wrote here, two college hockey guys off the bat. Wow. Um, wow. Has that happened before? Um, I'm not I sure. And know. we are seeing increasing numbers of like U.S. Um, prospects. College well, hockey JVR guys. was number two. Patrick Kane. No, Patrick Kane was in. No, he was in the OHL. He's a U.S. guy, but he was in the OHL. No, I can't. I mean, it may have happened, but I can't think of any instances recently. I you know, may just not be thinking hard enough. It seemed a little unusual to me. It seemed it like does, something yeah. that doesn't happen mm-hmm. all the time. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, you know, game's growing in the U.S. College hockey's growing. Um, yeah, so that's that's something interesting. I forgot to put a note here for who to credit for this, but uh, Charlie, I was looking at Charlie, or yes. the Athletics mock draft, and yeah. uh, Charlie O'Connor, a pick for the Flyers. He made a big note to say if the Flyers pick a 13, if. But it'd be kind of fun picked, if they uh, didn't. It'd be kind of fun if they didn't, but we'll see. You know, it, I, I love the crowd that's just like, well, I don't want to draft anybody. It's just like, <laughs> we need to trade the draft pick no matter what. And it's like, well. Is that here subtweeting Kelly mean, Hinkle now? Is that was it? Kelly had said that. I, I think she's that. joking, but also she says, "I hope the Flyers make no." Graphics. I can't tell with Kelly, but I'm also scared of Kelly. She might murder me in my sleep for all she I know. Could. But I here's the thing: she's I, very multifaceted. I totally get she is very multifaceted and very terrifying. But I totally get people wanting this team to win now and everything. But like, if a deal's not there, deal's not there. You just got to draft. Yeah, and you know we'll see who's available. It's going to be the flat cap makes this offseason so hard to project. Like in terms of who can move, who's going to take on what. Teams that have cap space are going to have a lot of power. Um, I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. So in in that mock draft, the Flyers. Um, Charlie had on behalf of the Flyers picked uh, Fabian Lysel, right wing from Lulea in the Swedish league. Um, and his notes included the fact that he is just very fast, which is cool. That's fun. That's fun. To his point, and he's correct, the Flyers don't have that many just true burners 
on their team now and really in the system. Um, you know, you you know, you want dudes who are good at the game, and it seems like he is. But you know, guys who are fast, fun to watch, are fun to watch. You know, so you know, fun, entertaining player. Name sounds like Fabio. I, I'm I'm here for it. Sure, I, I share a birthday with Fabio, and I have a picture with oh, him. Oh wow! So I, I'm in favor of it. Oh wow! That's but the, the thing about the speed with the Flyers is like every time I watch other teams that actually impress me, like I'm not talking about this Bruins Islander series right now. Cause neither of these teams impress me. Uh, Bruins are very good. Don't get me wrong. But like when I watch like the lightning or when I watch the avalanche, like I see speed, 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 I see all these fast guys and that's all I want for the mm-hmm. Flyers. I just want speed. And it's also not just, and it's not just, players who skate fast though those teams certainly do have those it's just playing fast like you can you can you can be methodical and slow and still be really good at this but you know it's not working when the flyers try and do that and you know last year they played pretty fast like with a team that was largely similar to this one with the only difference being 34 year old defenseman who was not very fast to begin with or you know at this point in his career is not very fast like they play like an up-tempo style and um and I mean, you know, and some of that's like some of that's just a matter of commitment. Some of it's a matter of like, I don't want to sound like an old timey hockey guy here, but it's you no know, matter of guys really busting it and getting back. Because you, when you do those things, you look like you're playing fast. You speed the game up for everyone. And um, to that end, you know, to your point, the teams that are still in the playoffs are playing fast and they also skate fast. So the Flyers right now or last year weren't really doing either of those. Why, whatever do you mean? Every time I see Kevin Hayes kind of do his, like, saunter move and stick his butt out into guys, that's very fast. Kevin Hayes reported to have, he had core muscle surgery, I believe. So hopefully he you know, rests his... Rest, Dunking on the injured guy. Rests his abdomen, comes back healthy. Hopefully he comes back healthy. I mean, we saw you know different injury, and it sounds like a less serious one than the one that Claude Drew had to deal with a bunch of years ago. I mean, took him... You know, it took him like a year to really get back to where we, was, we were hoping he would. I mean, Wayne Simmons, when he had core muscle injury, though, I think the year he had that, he was he was dealing with everything at once. Yeah, he had, I think, 14 injuries. Took him, you know, he didn't look the same the following year. You know, you hope, I mean, Kevin Hayes, Hayes has never totally been a burner, but you could tell, like, there was a little bit of juice missing from his game this year. And, um, or at least, especially the second half of the season, like, he just wasn't didn't look like the guy that we expected there that we came to expect from him oh yeah for sure you know hopefully he's able to rest hopefully and you know he seems like a, he uh, you know teams made a bunch of references to the young single guys who are um you know who really struggled through this season i know kevin hayes isn't as young as say a carter hart but i know that or but i you know wouldn't be surprised if he falls into that group and being like a total goofball who you know the team jokes about how he's the guy keeping the team text chain going wouldn't be surprised if him being like cooped up in his house really affects him so who knows you know hope i hope the best for him next year because he you know he was a revelation last year he was just fun to watch and he was good we want you know hopefully him having this surgery is step one of getting back to where he can be free kevin hayes because that contract lasts a while that contract does last a while and yeah i i think that's a huge difference maker for this team is having kevin hayes back because he was a legitimate 2C the year before, and he was a great force for good on the penalty kill where he'd actually hold on to the puck and, and dump it. And like, he just do all sorts of things that I've wanted to see guys do on the penalty kill for the Flyers for years. And he actually accomplished that. And 
as we saw, the penalty kill was not very good last year. So not great, any, not great. Any help you could get on that front would mm-hmm. be fantastic. I actually saw a, a stat when I was trying to do a, a little bit of research here and there on hockey reference. And I saw one that like Ivan Provorov was on the ice for the most power play goals of anybody in the league last year. I can believe that he played a lot and it's, he wasn't great. Like he plays so much, you know, not to defend him, but he plays so much. Most of the defense wasn't good. He wasn't good. And the penalty kill was bad. So like, it's a perfect storm of bad for him. Yeah. A perfect storm of bad is a good way to put that. So we'll see what the flyers can do if they actually hold on to their pick or not. You know, and the thing is like, as you said, there's a flat cap and the obvious move when you have a flat cap is to clear some space, clear out a bum who's been here for years, who's just eaten up a ton of space. So the obvious move is to clay, trade Claude Giroux to the Ottawa Senators. It's obviously happening, Kurt. Well, many people are saying this, and by many people, I mean Ottawa Senators' Twitter is just trying to speak this into existence, and I don't know why I'm so mad about this, but I just am. It's it's like I, I So I, I wrote a piece about this that went up on BroadStreetHockey.com today, and I, I, you know, I, I joked about this in the tweet, but sometimes I have an idea for an article and I write it and it's like, wow, I'm writing too much about this. But I, I, <laughs> I've always erred sometimes to my detriment on the side of say a few extra words if it means you know you'll get your point across. And sometimes I look down at my word count on an article. I'm like, eh, I probably wrote too much on this topic, but oh, well, like I looked at how many words I wrote in this article about something that. I like I could have explained in three sentences before I published this. And I was like, I hate myself so much <sighs> publish. So, so yeah, I, I mean, from what I can tell this sort of like, Ottawa senators fans, I guess have been talking about the possibility of Claude Giroux getting traded to the Ottawa senators. And I guess that Ian Mendez, the, um, the athletics Ottawa writer heard from enough senators fans saying, Hey, should the senators do this where he wrote an article basically saying the senators aren't going to do this. And he called upon none other than his pal, Charlie O'Connor to like, just consult with him saying, Hey, are the flyers going to trade Claude Giroux? And Charlie was like, Hey, and first time, long time. No, the flyers aren't going to trade Claude Giroux. And that was pretty much it. And somehow that all like ignited it further. I think that um, <laughs> Steve Dangle over at Sportsnet, like in, in whatever he does over there, he had a video about this. And I think that sort of led people to talk about it more. And somehow over the weekend, I, I like this past weekend, I became aware that this was a thing that people were trying to speak into the ether. And I was like, and, you know, my initial thought was, OK, well, that's stupid. The Flyers don't want to trade Claude Drew. Claude Drew has a no move clause that he has said he doesn't want to waive. And. Like even if he wanted to waive it, he's not going to go to Ottawa, and like that should have been it. And then I saw that Charlie tweeted about this, which was how I really found out about it. And I read the replies and quote tweets from people in Ottawa about this, and I and I'm like, do these people like what reality do these people live in? Like what they're saying? Like no, Claude Drew will see a team on the rise, and he's you know from here. And you know, (laughs) setting aside for a second, as we've had to joke about before. No, Hearst, Ontario is not close to Ottawa. It's Hearst, Ontario is as close to Ottawa as Philadelphia is. It's it's you know in terms of Canadian cities, it's closer to Toronto than it is to Ottawa. Like it's not a place that Claude Drew grew up. Nonetheless, like he spends much of his off seasons in Ottawa, 
he and his wife, I think, have a house out there. I believe I read, don't quote me on this, but I believe I read his wife is from there. And um and like he may he he probably will go out there when he retires until some hockey team offers him a job because that's prob that's you know what hockey teams do. He so like he is clearly something of you know, the place means something to him, and I guess that's what Senators fans are it's what's driving Senators fans toward this. And you know, as I said in that piece, Johnny Gaudreau and Bobby Ryan, I've had to hear about for the last fifteen years because they're good hockey players who are from here. So I, I can't from leave on here, that. Kurt. But I was never under any delusion that the Flyers were going to trade for, you know, peak Bobby Ryan. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, they actually could trade for this offseason. I could totally see that happening, but I feel like this is undermining my own argument, so I'm going to shut the fuck up now. <laughs> yeah, but again, the Flyers, say what you will, whether you think they should rebuild this offseason or not. They've given no indication that they want to do that, so they're not going to trade Claude Giroux, and that's it. Okay, but if that's not it, Claude Giroux said two weeks before the season ended— I'd really love to spend my entire career here. I think it's really cool when people get to do that. Like this is a paraphrase, not a direct quote, but he said, he basically said, I think it's cool when people get to spend their entire career in one place. And I'd love to be able to do that. And you know, when he's been asked in the past, he's basically said, no, I'm not going to waive my no move clause without directly saying it. And he hasn't given any indication to believe that's changed. And if he does want to get traded it's not going to be to a team that had 51 points in 56 games last year. Like, yes, Ottawa is actually in a decent long-term position. They've got potential. They've got good some good young players, and they've got a lot of cap space this offseason. And, like, those two things can set you up well for the future. But they are a big mound of potential, and a 33-year-old who doesn't have a Stanley Cup doesn't give two shits about that. He just doesn't. But, Kurt, I've heard that Claude Drew isn't actually interested in winning a Stanley Cup. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Who, like, look, look, early on in his, early on in his... <laughs> I can just see you in my head, just, like, pinching y your nose between your eyes. Basically like, what I'm oh doing, I'm, I'm squeezing very hard right now on my forehead and my chin. <laughs> um, like, er, so, like, early on in his career, and we've talked about this this season, early on in Claude Drew's career, when people are in his captaincy, when the Flyers stunk, and they're... Their blue line was like the rotting husks of Kimo Timonen and Braden Coburn and four AHLers. And people were like, why can't Claude Drew will this team to win? Like at that like that was obviously patently absurd. This season, when the Flyers, you know, stunk and they went into a total fucking tailspin in March and April, there were some people calling out Claude Drew's leadership and look, say whatever you will, but you can't use the same excuse because on paper, this is a better team than those were. They just were. And at some point, like you do have to say, if guys aren't, you know, in the right headspace, that isn't entirely a captain's job, but it's part of his job. So if you want to at least question leadership, I'd ask you to bring a little more to the table than that, but you can say he didn't fulfill 100% of his job responsibilities this year. Sure, I have more sympathy for that argument than I would have thought I would, frankly. But, like every single flyer slightly more time in the day every single flyer you, you that should. you talk to they're like man no one loves winning and hates losing more than that dude like we were like we don't remember the piece from a couple years ago about how like wayne simmons will let will like when he wins a game will let everyone keep playing until claude wins so he'll just shut the fuck up about it because he's so annoying when he loses and i just the people who think that claude drew doesn't want to win like what are what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And it, it ties into this, like, because he's been around forever and people are just sick of this era of Flyers hockey and they think that the Flyers as an organization have become complacent. And they see Giroux 
for better and worse, mostly worse as the figurehead for that whole thing. And they've decided because of it that Claude Drew doesn't want to win. And it's just, it's so, it's ridiculous to anyone who knows anything about him, who has heard anyone talk about him, to anyone who has watched him play. Like, how many games this year did he basically will them to a win on? Like, the first game after he came back from fucking COVID. That one, that one Pittsburgh game, like there was the game against the Devils where he basically did the whole fucking thing himself. Like you can question things about him. Sure. And I mean, he's not as good as he used to be. Had a pretty good year, all things considered, but not as good as he used to be. But if you're saying like he doesn't want to win, like what fucking planet are you on? (laughs) What are you doing here? So and the Flyers know that, which is why they're not going to trade it. God, I it's just it's nuts. It's bonkers to me. And the funniest thing to me is the Ottawa Senators fans going, yeah, it's a team of the rise. Like, no fucking way is Claude Giroux want to go want to go to the Ottawa Senators at this point. Like, yeah, he's 33 years old. He's going to go to a team that has a chance to win a cup if he's getting traded anywhere. And like, why would he go to the you don't want to go to a team on the rise. You want to go to a team where you're going to be the final piece. Like there's a reason Joe Thornton came back. And he only came back to go to the Maple Leafs because he actually thought that team had a chance. And on paper, that team had a great chance. They just, they just blew it really <laughs> shittily in the playoffs against the Montreal freaking Canadiens. Mm. I don't get it. But there's a reason Joe, Joe Thornton saw a stacked lineup and he said, okay, I'm mm. going to make my run for a cup. And, you know, that dude's a San Jose shark for life, right? Like nobody's going to remember Joe Thornton in a Maple Leafs jersey. Mm. But maybe Joe Thornton went because he saw a chance for that ring. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, look, again, this is all just pissing in the wind because the Flyers aren't going to trade Claude Drew this offseason. Now, I, I I maintain that it would that I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers, who clearly think they're going to be better next year, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't go into this season with Drew and Couturier having long-term contracts because they might want the flexibility to say, if this doesn't work out, then we pivot and we, we move guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. I don't know that that's their plan. Don't, you know, no reporting here or anything, but I wouldn't oh, be surprised wow. if they Kurt's tried to calling it out. Let's quote tweet that, you know, let's put this in all of our articles out there tomorrow. For, for, folks, you heard it here first. I'm Kurt gonna, R. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the subject of taking it to the beats next week. Aren't I <laughs> taking it to the beats? Yeah. You're the beat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if the flyers fall on their face next year, then maybe then you say, okay, we were wrong. This isn't going to work. Maybe now we start over. And then maybe you approach Claude and say, hey, buddy, might be time to do this. And if, you know, if that happens and the Ottawa Senators are the team that their fans clearly seem to think they're about to be and they like, are this good team, maybe then it happens. But even then, you have to think that there's going to be some team closer to a Stanley Cup than the Ottawa Senators are that would put in an offer for Claude Giroux. And Giroux, I have to think that they would – that like, you know – if he says, I want to go here, they're going to make that happen. And, you know, it's probably not going to be for a great return because that's how trades for guys with no move clauses work. But yeah, I mean, the Flyers, the Flyers aren't going to do after everything that happened with Hextall and the alumni, like all the, you know, rumblings that came about how he was mean to them. um, They're not going to do Claude Giroux dirty like that. They know that they can't do that. I, I think they know they can't do that. Maybe maybe fan opinion has turned against Claude Giroux more than I realize, but I don't think that's the case. No, I don't think so either. And if 
you really want to piss off a fan base. You take an all-time flyer, somebody who's like in the top five on half the scoring records, mm. and you do them dirty. Like that's a real yeah. way to burn some bridges. You don't do this that. Fan base. This and this franchise again makes such a big deal out of how if you're a flyer, you're a flyer for life. And that dude's a flyer. You know, say what you will about this era, that dude's a flyer, and he's, you know, you're not gonna do you're not gonna do that to him. You just can't unless he really wants to. And again, we don't have an indication that he does no and there's just no reason to do him dirty like that just well and again he's not going to wave his no move clause to go it's just not going to happen it's just an absurd rumor brought about solely it's not even a rumor that's the thing it's 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 not a rumor idea it's it's a it's a suggestion i i feel like you're almost delivering like a don draper madman speech right now like it's not a rumor it's an idea it's a suggestion make it real I should watch Mad Men. Anyways. It's a good show. Hearst, Ontario. Claude Giroux. It's going to happen. Ottawa Senators. Back to you, Doc. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's talk about a trade that could actually happen. A a real This actually trade. could happen. This really Actual could. Actual hockey player Seth Jones could get traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. There have been rumblings in recent days about this. Kurt? Where do you get two cents on the possibility of Seth Jones in the orange and black? Yeah, so um, you, know, so you, you mentioned – so you, you have here the quote. Um, so I believe Elliot Friedman mentioned on a Sportsnet over the weekend that he's heard – that Seth Jones told the Blue Jackets he's going to test the market. And uh, Aaron Portsline over at The Athletic said that they're going – that the Blue Jackets, given that, will likely trade him because they you know aren't going to contend for a cup next year and they want to get something of value. 
And it would not shock anyone paying attention to know that the Flyers will probably be in on that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun um, said two weeks before this report that it, uh, his quote uh, back on May 14th said, certainly if for whatever reason the Blue Jackets aren't able to extend Seth Jones, you can bet the Flyers will be all over that situation. And I mean, on paper, the fit's there. Um, you know, he's a top, played a ton of minutes, top pair, like right side defenseman who, you know, has a reputation for being good at everything. Um, you know, big dude moves well. Yeah. I mean, the fit's there on paper and he only has one year left on his deal makes, I think five, four right now and would certainly make more than that on a long-term deal. I believe he's only 27. Um, unfortunately, there's literally no way for us to know. Um, oh, he's 26. He's, he's 27 at the start of next season. So he'd be 28 when his next contract begins. So, like, you know, that's not young. Like, that wouldn't be young. But if you sign that guy old. to a seven-year deal, you aren't, like, guaranteeing that he's going to be a turd by the end of it, you know? But then there's the question of how good Seth Jones is, you know? So it, it it was funny today that two very good articles sort of looking at the same topic uh, were dropped. One on our wonderful website by our pal Brad um, looking at – or with the just absolutely ferocious headline of Seth Jones defends the blue line like Andrew McDonald. I mean, holy shit, Brad. The guy presumably <laughs> has a family. Brad Keffer just dunketh on 2021 right here. Like, my God. Um. So, yeah, so – Brad talked a little bit in there about um, the thing. So, so the so the background here with Seth Jones is the like you know he had a really good year I think three years ago year he finished fourth in Norris voting he was excellent and um, and ever since then he's been less good and I mean pretty much everyone agrees that he wasn't great this past year even even the people on the other side of this argument I'm, I'm going to talk about seem to agree he wasn't great last year but. Numbers-minded folks seem to or their primary takeaway from Jones is, you know, he's just been not very good for a couple of years ago. Not like not good for a top four defenseman, just not good. And full and it's turned into and perhaps bec- perhaps in spite of that and perhaps straight up because of it, this has turned into a stats versus eye test argument where people see that and they say and they'll say, oh no, Seth Jones is definitely really good. Like he he just must be. You've seen him, right? And choose your fighter. Yeah. So that's sort of how the tone of this argument has turned. And, um, and yeah, so Brad wrote a bit about like, so why are Seth Jones numbers bad? And the thing that he talked about was defending on zone entries. So this is where the Andrew McDonald comparison comes in. Um, infamously, the thing that made McDonald bad at hockey, uh, or at least a bad defenseman. And the thing that most people would sort of point to when trying to explain his terrible on ice numbers were the way he defended at the blue line. He was very passive, would, you know, let def- let players in with control a lot. Like, much, like, every, whenever this was tracked, like, flyer zone entry defenses were tracked, he was always one of the worst on the team. Whoa, 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 Kurt. Are you telling me this was a problem? All this time, I thought it was a strategy by AMAC to lull them in and say, and then he sprung his trap. Oh, here I am, blocking your shot. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so that was his thing. Uh, yeah, he did love two block shots, but yeah, he was bad. And so Brad, you know, talked about that. Broke. He said he watched a few games uh, of Seth Jones's, and he, you know, clipped clipped some 
clip some highlights of like zone entries from those games is defense in the neutral zone. And, you know, you come away with the takeaway that he's, he wasn't great there. And Brad said he watched 20 games total, didn't clip all of them, but he largely came away with the same conclusion and that he, you know, that's a big part of the game. I mean, metrics on this stuff tend to show that neutral zone defense tends to be stickier and like more repeatable and sustainable than, you know, performance in either team's zone, which is a little counterintuitive to some, but it's what the, these things tend to show. And I mean, what Brad says here is Jones allowed a carry on 67.1% of his targets and allowed a pass on another 19.6. The only uh, flyer with worse numbers there and the only flyers defenseman with worst numbers there last year was Nate Prosser and he is bad. So like not the company you'll want to keep. I don't know what you're talking about. The energy vampire was the number one <laughs> flyers defenseman last year. Colin, you Rob- can't tell me otherwise. Colin Robinson was an excellent sixth defenseman. He scored a goal that one time. I'm just imagining that in, in what we do in the shadows. Voice. Like, Colin Robinson was an excellent sixth defenseman last year. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and yeah, I mean, he talked a little bit about zone, uh, about Summon Jones, other um, like other uh, shortcomings, particularly on the defensive side. Like he's not a great, um, he's not like a great coverage guy. Um, he he has some pluses. He's you know a, a you know strong player, fast player, and he, as Brad mentioned, he's decent at keeping guys to the perimeter. Which you know, if you wanted to make that argument, you could say that sort of like would help him in you know in deflating you know performance relative to. If, I'm, I don't know how to word this, but like he may outperform his expected goals a little bit based on that. But he, you know, he's, it doesn't seem like a real deep look at what he's doing backs up the reputation. And again, like what Brad says here and what, what Charlie sort of says, and or Charlie O'Connor wrote the other article that was published about 15 minutes after Brad or about after we published Brad's article this morning, um, talked about like great minds yeah great really minds, and he you know minds. wrote a similar thing and he talked to um allison lucan over at uh um over on the athletic she's a you know columbus based nhl writer and she you know she watches you know watches the blue jackets a lot and is real good with numbers and you know she's basic and you know she talked a bit about what he's good at and what he hasn't been and talked a bit about how he's spent the overwhelming amount of his time with zach Wierenski who is um, oh, Brad Marchand wins it for Boston. That's really disappointing. Uh, but it's over the Islanders. Huh? <laughs> I don't, I, just, I hate that series. God. Yeah. It's, it's truly terrible, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, they talked a bit about how like, you know, he, he talked through his strengths and, and weaknesses. I'm not going to read the whole article. It's really good. You know, behind a paywall. So yeah, I encourage you if you have an athletic description to read that in addition to Brad's piece, but yeah, so both, both Brad and Charlie come away saying, no, Seth Jones probably doesn't stink. Like uh, the way that some some numbers folks, if you read their thoughts on it, will say, like, no, he's just not a good player. And it seems unlikely that that's the case. But there are enough red flags here, and there are enough red flags here to say he might not be as good as his reputation suggests. And you can come up with excuses for this past year. I think a lot. Again, some folks are willing to give him a pass for this last year. Um, you know, everything on the Blue Jackets was bad. They didn't really have any centers or really good forwards to whom he could send the puck. Um, John Tortorella isn't very good at this. And it's possible that, like, that whole relationship may not have helped matters. But um, but it seems like there are enough question marks that 
if you are coming in and expecting a number one defenseman, just because you see, you know, a big fast guy who, as, as they like to say, eats minutes, um, you may be disappointed. This is a really interesting like set of articles here for me today and the whole discussion, because I'll tell you what, before this season and probably before like uh, two weeks ago, I would have been very excited by the prospect of Seth Jones coming to the Flyers. Like in theory, like that's a name. That's uh, a name I recognize. Wow. Like it's exciting, right? He's a player that I recognize. I know can put up points. Be a name that the fans know. That's for sure. Really good. Yeah. It's a name that the fans know and I'm a fan and I know it, but it, it sounds very exciting. But then reading all of this really puts up a lot of question marks, a lot of, just worrisome signs about them trading for him. And the biggest thing for me is like, I'd be fine if this was like a free agency signing, but this would be a trade and they presumably would have to put up some significant assets in order to acquire Seth Jones. Yeah. Um, something you said there, I was going to say, but yeah, so he, and I mean, like I said, he's a big name and he's definitely had, you know, really high highs in the NHL when he finished fourth in Norris voting, he was genuinely really good. But yeah, I mean, I follow a few Columbus people and, by and large, like I heard them, I saw them saying throughout the year, like, yo, something's up with Seth. He just ain't great. And um, I, I think they're, I think they are prepared to move on from him. And perhaps because they think that, you know, it might just not work here anymore. They probably thought it wouldn't work here anymore. Even before he said, I, I want to get traded. So, or before he said, I'm not going to stay there, but yeah. Um, and to your point, yeah, Seth there's Jones for Jake Voracek. Who says no? Uh, Jake can come home. <laughs> Columbus has already lost two Jeff Carter trades. Can they can they lose two Jake Voracek trades? <laughs> <laughs> Survey says yes. Yeah, but again, the the gap the the issue here is the gap between perception and reality. Like you would have to be really confident in a way that I think a lot of folks just are not that Seth Jones is that dude to make this pick. So like. Bill Meltzer. I, I will I will pick on Bill for a second here. You know, really smart guy, knows knows the Flyers in and out as well as anybody. Um, in his piece the other day addressing these rumors, he said like that he wouldn't be surprised if an offer to the Blue Jackets for Jones looked something like Konechny, Myers, and a first round pick. Or I, I guess I guess let me clarify. He said that is the offer he would make. I should not I should not state with any sort of confidence that that is what he thinks the Flyers would do. But right. like, like if he, that's he's your not talking to Chucky two traits behind the scenes right. and but if that's your first know offer that they're the making Flyers, this offer. and if if that's like something they would do, I would say like no don't do that. No Because again and if you're doing that, it's it's with the understanding you're not making that trade unless you know you're going to sign him to a long term contract. And that's that also concerns me because again, if we don't know that the dude's that good, then you don't want to give him a seven-year, like sixty million dollar contract or whatever a deal like that contract. Like his next deal might, for all we know, begin with a nine, might begin with a one. I don't know. Like in terms of annual value, it could that could be a big old number. And if you're trading those kinds of assets, you are definitely you are say, like you wouldn't trade those assets and then not pony up everything possible to keep the guy. And the Flyers are hitting a point with a lot of their young guys where they're mm-hmm. going to have to start ponying up for yeah. those guys. And and also a guy who's, you know, right in the middle with Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier is if the Flyers are going to hold on to him, he's going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, ne- really I mean, next summer. Think about this, especially if the cap stays flat for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, next summer, the Flyers got to pay Drew and Couturier, which and we talked a little bit about that already. 
And, you know, if you're if you're bringing in a guy like Seth Jones and giving him that contract, presumably you're saying, yeah, we're definitely not going to rebuild, which means presumably you're going to try and keep Drew and Couturier. And then do you have money for everyone else? I don't know. Um, that's where that Kevin Hayes contract starts to, you know, be the problem we thought it could be eventually. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm intrigued. I, I, my stance on Jones is that he's not as bad as some folks say, but he, um, but he is probably not as good as some folks say. And if you are trading for him thinking you are getting a number one defenseman, um, you are not. We just or we we don't have a good reason to believe that right now. That guy has been there before, but it doesn't seem like he's there now. And if you think you can get him, cool. But like we just saw a year where every young defenseman on the Flyers took a step back. Are you betting that you can fix a guy like Seth Jones in that setting? And I don't know. I just don't know. And what we keep saying, what we have really realized this past season is that, you know, Ivan Provorov can be on your first pairing, but you need a guy as good as, if not better than Provorov to pay to play on that first pairing with him to make him play to his full potential because Niskanen was the perfect partner for him. Is Jones and Niskanen and also is he, do you feel confident enough in him being that much of a positive factor with Provorov that you pay him as much or more than Provorov. Yeah, I mean, we're, it's it's funny you mentioned Provorov. You know, we you, you see people talk about Jones as this big minutes eater, a guy who plays a ton. If that's all they need, don't we already have that? Like, isn't that what Ivan Provorov is? And didn't we see this last season that just because a guy plays a ton of minutes doesn't mean that he's automatically playing well? Like, it means that there's an idea that he can. And, I mean, in fairness, both Provorov and Jones have had really good stretches in their careers, but the fact that that they play a ton of minutes doesn't mean they're good. Like, yeah, you can eat minutes. Sometimes it's just empty calories. Y'all like, we gotta, you know, gotta, gotta be able to provide more interesting commentary than that guy eats minutes, he eats minutes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But like, I don't know. Are they tasty? Are they, are they scrumptious? They have. Well, your... the thing is, it, it sounds like they're tasty and scrumptious, but are they actually providing any nutrition? Yeah. Probably not. So, yeah, I mean, I, all of this said, my opinion on this does not matter. I am sure the Flyers are going to be interested. Um, you know, Jones has been around the league for a while. I'm sure scouts and teams have their thoughts on them. Um, Flyers and Linux Department, I'm sure, will have their say. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It, it will be interesting to see what happens. It, two Provorovs makes a positive, right? Yeah, I like, I like where we're at. Just that. double down. Just just six Provorovs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bound to work. <laughs> so many tires getting hauled up mountains. But yeah, I mean, there are going to be a lot of teams trying to trade for Seth Jones. So may, the Flyers may not win that battle, but they'll be in on it. I am sure they will be in on it. If it's a Connect Me Myers first deal, I yeah, I'm not, I'm reason, not, I'm not I'm feeling out. that. I'm not feeling that. Like you're Definitely gutting your. That. I know Myers wasn't great last year. I know Connect Me was a bit of a conundrum last year. Um, but uh, that's a lot to give up on for a um for a quest for a guy who is probably a question mark that you're going to have to let's, let's call it what it is. You're going to have to overpay him to keep him because, you know, Seth, he's basically said already, I want to test free agency and he has no loyalty to the team that's trading for him. So yeah, is what there, it is. There's no reason for him to not go to no. free agency. Same there, thing. Like, you know, it's, not. it was, it's the same situation Kevin Hayes was in. Like, of course the flyers had to overpay to get him before he went to free agency guys like free agency. 
It's what happens. Oh, teams want to bid over me? What a terrible life I'm living. Must suck to be wanted. Yeah. So <laughs> oh. so yeah, we'll oh. we'll see what happens. We want you on the podcast, bud. Hey, thanks. Um oh. yeah. So that'll be that'll be a big storyline. Like that's probably the biggest name that's come up in terms of people who are going to get traded unless you think Jack Eichel's going to get traded, which he might. Yeah, I'm not as convinced, but if he does, that is a blockbuster trade that's if it does end deal. up happening. Yeah. That'll be a big deal. You know, I mean, Buffalo is going to need to rebuild, right? They got the first overall pick uh, in a year where nobody scouted anything. Yeah, only they got they'll get Poe an hour and then, you know, they'll probably he'll probably be bad just because they seem to be cursed. Cursed, cursed, the curse of the Buffalo Sabres. Kurt, you want to talk some playoffs? You want to talk about teams that are actually playing still? Let's talk some yoffs. Let's talk some yoffs. So you just mentioned Brad Marchand won the game for the Boston Bruins. So that puts them it's up 2 1 over the New York Islanders. I have mixed feelings on that because I just despise the way the New York Islanders play co- play coffee. They play hockey. <laughs> uh, I just need coffee because it's late at night and I'm tired. But I, I hate the New York Islanders style of hockey. And I think anybody who listens to the podcast knows that very well at this point. So I'm almost rooting for Boston. I'm not really, but I'm almost rooting for Boston just because I just can't stand the Islanders. You know, watching Boston, I just, I I can't, I for one still can't believe that a guy who's been good everywhere and happened to be bad for a half a season on one of the worst hockey teams we've ever seen is in fact good when you put him when you put him on a team that isn't a total nuclear waste fire. You know, I, I can't believe Taylor Hall can play hockey, but it's just <laughs> shocking. It's shocking that he can do things like assist on goals and score goals and perform positively. It's, it's so absurd that they got him for almost nothing. It was like, a, like it's a just second a round pick. Joke. Yeah, yeah. Go figure. Oh, yeah, he's good. I know he had no move clause. Like, I get it. You know, we talked about this with Drew earlier. The guys who have no move clauses, you don't get things for them. But nonetheless, like, it's wild the way people were talking about him when he got traded. Like, what are you going to do? But, you know, so I, I, you know, I have nothing against him. And, you know, on the spectrum of annoying Boston sports teams, the Bruins are low on the list for me. Not to say I like them. I don't. But uh, if it's them or the Islanders, I, I can live with either one. Like, because uh, uh, if you got to pick one, fine. Like, that's not the end of the world. But I'd, I'd probably rather the Islanders lose because, I mean, fuck those guys. You know, they're, they're, they're the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst. I just can't stand watching them at all. Yeah. I just, I, this series is going seven, I'm thinking, though. Just probably, yeah. I think, so I think Boston's better. Matched. I think Boston's better. But, like, the Islanders have shown they they're going to make you earn it. Yeah, Boston's better, but yeah, you're right. The Islanders will make you earn it. There's no cheap wins. Oh, I didn't realize they played Varlamov again tonight. I, huh. Hmm. Ah. Man, Sorokin was really good. I I thought he was really good. God, I'm not looking forward to the next decade of goaltending in this division. No, absolutely not. Sterkin's really good. Sorokin's really good. Um, Tristan Jari sucks. (laughs) I am looking forward to that. But yeah, they're probably going to get someone new. Um, you know, just need our, our, our Samsonov's good or Samsonov, excuse me, is good. Um, kind of just. Need I always want to say Samson Carter Hart to get it together. I, I'd really like that. Boy, that would please, be nice. Please, Carter, please. That would be nice. I'd really like it. Elvis is good too. Yeah, there are a lot of please. there are a lot of good young goalies in this division. Um, but it's funny. I I remember you know, 
you know, Sorokin was a rookie this year. He has 22 NHL games to his name in addition to the five he's played in the playoffs. You know, he's a rookie. He's new. And everyone's like, look at this young phenom. He's three years older than Carter Hart. Three years older than Carter Hart. Which is why it makes these comparisons so wild. Because these dudes, you know, have been pl- – and Shesterkin, if I remember correctly, is around the same time – like around the same time frame. Uh, Samsonov's a little bit older. I think he was the year before Hart got drafted. But these – like it's why it's so hard to draw parallels on literally anything Carter Hart does because young goalies – like goalies don't play at the AT did. He played 100 games before most – goalies make their NHL debut and it's what makes it so hard to draw any sort of meaningful parallel to his career um I'm going on a tangent here I'm sorry I saw that Sorokin the other day I saw that Sorokin was 25 turns 26 in August and I was like wow Carter Hart's really young and that was my he's really young which is why I have a really hard time dragging him and calling him drag him drag him (laughs) people want to people just want to say like yeah he's done trade like I, which is crazy to me. Yeah. It's it's you absolutely know, we, insane. And I talked. We talked about this during the season. We can acknowledge that Garter Hart kind of sucked last. Like he, not kind of. He sucked last year, but he had a shit season. His numbers were atrocious. But you know, we we can talk with a little more nuance than that about it. And you know, again, it's it's just so hard to guess what he'll do because you know, twenty year olds don't play in the NHL. Twenty two year olds don't have a hundred games to their name. I don't know what what a guy with his history would do because those guys don't exist. Right. It's just, it's stunning to me. Some of the takes that come out around Carter Hart, but you know, we're going to have to, I mean, and also we just lived through one of the craziest NHL seasons possible with the pan, you know, pandemic playoffs. And then the whole pandemic season, Mm -hmm. I mean, unparalleled times, unprecedented times, like Mm -hmm. if for at least professional sports in the modern era, in these uncertain times, the Flyers still don't have goaltending. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, that's my round of how this series affects the Philadelphia Flyers slash makes me sad. Uh, Boston's up 2-1. Let's one. just talk about what all the X-Flyers are Boston's up to. Boston's up 2-1, the... no, yeah. Um, any X-Flyers on these teams? Probably right. The Slammin' Sammy special. What was it? He tweeted the other day, uh, sorry, taking it to the beat, about, um, about how the Flyers didn't draft David Pasternak. Which, you know what? Okay, okay. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't draft David Pasternak. That would have been neat. I would have liked that. Or in hindsight, sure, I would have liked Sam. that. But oh well. And I, re- I really like how he's like, Hextall drafted Sanheim there. Okay. Are we really going to come and like bash Sanheim for not being David Pasternak all of a sudden? Like, I, I just love the draft second guessing. Yeah. All the Monday morning quarterbacking. If Monday morning was like, I don't know, four years after the game was right. played. Right. Like, especially that late in the round. Like, I know. And. I remember y'all talked about this on the episode last week, if my memory isn't wrong. Like, it's one thing at the top of the draft. Like, yeah, no, no one no one thought Nolan that the three guys who went after Nolan Patrick would all be great and he would have the career he's had so far. But, like, when you know the names at the top and everyone's generally got the same guys up there just in different orders, there's a degree of second-guessing that you can do. And that late, like, once you hit, like, the teens, every team's draft board is so different. Like it's it's so hard to guess on stuff like this, and who knows? Maybe Pasternak, who went straight to the NHL, wouldn't have been as good on another team. Maybe having, you know, one of the like one of the best winger center combinations in the NHL for his entire career so far has helped him turn into the player that he is. Who knows? 
Um, so yeah, that's it was a damn good pick. They lucked out. Oh no, it was a great and, pick. Yeah. Um, and that was that was but a Shirelli like, pick. There were a whole bunch of teams that didn't pick him. Like yeah, I... one twenty six. Just Sam. Come on, Sam. Slamuel. Slamuel. He's not Slamuel though. Slamuel is uh, Morin. He's yeah. just. I feel like we got to come up with another Carcini nickname. I, I don't know what it is yet, but we'll come up with one. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we'll get yeah, there. so that's that series. That's that's much more than I. I'd say that's much more than I expected to talk about that series. But I feel like I spent only twenty percent of that time actually talking about that series. Uh, Tampa Carolina <laughs> are about to go to overtime with right yes. now as we speak with Tampa up to O. Tampa is going in with a power play. Um, yeah, that's been a fun series. You know, that was expected to be a fun series, and you know, Tampa's up two O. And for the sake of competitiveness, I'd love to see Carolina win this game. But they um. But yeah, I mean those two games, though Tampa won both, they've been competitive. Like they and I'd like the series to continue to be competitive. It's kind of crazy that Tampa's up 2-0 considering how competitive it is. And they might be up 3-0 at the end of the night and it's been just really? an insanely tight series. Mm-hmm. I just I mean that game stunning, the other really. I mean Tampa's looked a bit off in these playoffs. Not like I mean they've had tough opponents. Florida's really good. Or Florida this year was really good. Carolina is really good, but like Tampa's looked a bit off. Like they've been a little more a team that like, all right, well, we'll see what you know. Hope we you know get the bounces more so than they've been in years past. Like last year they ran over people. This year they're a little bit more. All right, well, you know, need a need Andre Vasilevsky to be great. Need our guys to make plays at the right times, which isn't you know they've been dominant for most of this past decade. It's interesting to see how that's happened. Um, I mean, it's, you know, we had to say all this with the knowledge that they that they're just happy to be here because their best player is just emerged coincidentally from a from like a horrifying injury just on the day that game one of the playoffs began. And I mean, there's no way to quantify the impact of something like that. So what are you going to do? What a coincidence. I just can't believe that happened to happen. They just found Captain America in the ice and he was just there and he was ready to fight on day one. I I just, it's just Tampa Bay, man. Like they they had, and they brought Stamkos out. How was every, Kucherov and Stamkos, How is every NHL team not calling the league office every, like any team that has a slight chance at winning the Stanley Cup this year, how are they not calling Gary Bettman every single day saying, why are you letting this happen? Like, why are you not, putting like an independent evaluator out there to make, to confirm that Nikita Kucherov can't actually play. He was practicing with the team like two months before the playoffs began. They said when they announced that he was out, that we expect him to be out for the regular season. It was plain as day that this was going to happen and they just let it. And like, look, look, end of the day, like salary caps are bullshit, pay players. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rag on them for doing this. It's, it's you know, by the rules, even though you could argue it's circumvention, but they are following the rules, so whatever. But I'm just surprised that the NHL and the competitors for the Stanley Cup let it happen, honestly. Well, and if I'm Carolina, I'm especially oh, I'm pissed furious. about this yeah. because Carolina dominated that division in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They were phenomenal. And now Carolina's down 2-0. They might be down 3-0 at the end of the night. And this is all because Tampa Bay had one of the best players in the NHL eh, just appear. Mm-hmm. So if Carolina gets swept and they decide that they want to move on from Doug Hamilton, I wouldn't hate it. Would not hate that. And he's a free Flyers agent, right? Doug Hamilton. 
Yeah, yeah, he is a free agent this summer. So just give that man a large truck full of money. Oh, they've got $27 million in cap space. Okay. We got museums, Dougie. They're, ooh, they're, their cap situation, yeah, Philadelphia's got great museums. Um, their cap situation's interesting. They don't have any goalies under contract next year. And let's see, they've got to pay, got to pay Svechnikov, so that'll be, that'll be hefty. But no, I imagine they will try to keep him. So, you know, Flyers just give him give him a Brinks truck. Um, but yeah, if, if if you can get him, do it. Well, if you trade Claude Giroux to Ottawa, yeah. and you trade Jake Voracek to Columbus, you should have plenty of space. I, I like where your head's at. Because <laughs> Claude Giroux will go to Ottawa, a team that's on the rise. Many people are He's there. This. He's practically there already. He's pictured himself in that bland-ass Ottawa Senators jersey every day. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that's that serious. It's about to, or overtime's about to start. I'll keep an eye on it. Um, Colorado and Vegas, uh, two series we knew would be fun. It's been pretty fun. Um, game one was fun in terms of the sheer dominance that we saw from one team. Game two was a little bit more back and forth. Yeah, there was a quote I saw. I, I don't even remember who the quote was from. It might have been an opposing player or something, but just about like. Uh, what do you do when like Colorado has like one or two of their best players not clicking? It was like, and said, like, well, they have like seven. Best <laughs> you go players, to so one of those guys. Up. Jesus, it, it's just such a stacked lineup. And I was saying this on BSH Radio last week, but like, I don't have a problem rooting for Colorado even with that stacked lineup because that's all just from good drafting and development for the most part. Yeah, that's a team like, like that. That team is just a master class in seeing what happens when like you make like bets on undervalued guys and they all pay off. Like there are things that they did that are hard. Like there are things that they did that you can replicate. And there are things they did that are really hard to replicate. Like Nathan McKinnon is one of the five best players in the NHL. And he's on a contract that like pays him less than the flyers are paying Kevin Hayes. And like not to pick on Kevin Hayes. And it's not the same because that's a contract that partially covers um, RFA years, but He's making six point three million dollars a year, and he's one of the five best players in the NHL. Like this is a guy who could be making thirteen or fourteen easily. Yeah, the Flyer, like not the Flyers, the Abs' entire defense was guys that were like undervalued somewhere else. Like they got Devon Taves because they had cap space this off season or last off season, and the Islanders didn't, so they just traded two oh, second round picks. Real tragic. Kale real Mc- tragic for Lou. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, Kale McCarr got they got fourth overall in a year where they were the worst team in the NHL didn't get any of the top three picks and he might be the best player from that draft. Um, uh, let's see who else like Samuel Girard. They got for Matt Duchesne, um, Bowen Byram. They got that pick for Matt Duchesne, uh, Ryan Graves. They got, if I remember correctly for like nothing and he turned it around. Um, like their entire defense is just full of dudes who they acquired, that have sort of against the odds worked out uh, maybe with the, or I shouldn't say that like McCarr was a fourth overall pick. They knew he'd be good, but I don't think they knew he would be this good, but they were undervalued when the team acquired them and like it's worked out. And that's the, you know, that's a really hard thing to do. Right. And it's, you know, what, what good teams do it's good teams, you know, make those kinds of bets. They work out. And that's truthfully the kind of thing the flyers may need to do. Cause like the flyers, are going to go into this coming season with a couple holes here and there. Like it's just how it's going to work. They don't have the cap space to fix everything they need. They're going to have to take some bets and maybe it's some bets like those that may not look super sexy on paper, but like 
if you can find the next say Ryan Graves, even that's a big win for what for what they need. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I really think they're gonna have to do some juggling like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yeah. And to your point, as and it's a point that's been made a lot. Teams try to copy. Ooh, nice save. Um, teams try to copy the cup winner, and if teams try to copy the Colorado Avalanche, who you know don't have that many dudes who are like you know big thumping defensemen who are slow and not that fun to watch like you know league would be better for it so i'd be fine with them winning nothing against them at all uh and and they have pierre edward belmar you know one of those like likable good guys from the past decade of flyers hockey not a good player (laughs) maybe a a good player at best well he's yeah i mean we thought he was stinky and when the when vegas took him that they were doing us a favor and then he went to Vegas and was good and he went to Colorado and has continued to be good. It's almost like Dave Hextall wasn't a good coach. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well. I, I mean, I, I Belmar's, a, oh, wow. but Belmar is an okay player. Yeah. You know, he, you I, know, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I call him good. He's a crummy okay. bottom six guy. Exactly. Exactly. He, he, he embiggens a lineup at the end <laughs> he of the does. day, he does. but I, I really, I, you know, I'm not bitter about that one at all because no, that's just, no, you know, no. he's fine. He's I a fourth liner, like whatsoever. whatever, you know, whatever. And I, I just don't think Vegas is going to have a chance in that series at this no, point. No, like, I'd, like like I'd like for them to make it I'd like for them to make it one, but I mean, Colorado is probably better. Like it just seems Colorado like is probably better. So yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, it's two, nothing going back to Vegas. So, you know, they could win both games at home and keep it interesting, but I wouldn't be surprised if this series doesn't go more than five games. No, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. That brings us to the most surprising matchup of the second round. Montreal and Winnipeg. That is... I don't think a lot of people had this written up on their bracket. Huh. Wait. Huh. Huh. Wait. So Toronto didn't make it to the second round. Or Edmonton. Toronto and Edmonton did not make it to the second round. Really? Huh. That's really interesting. <laughs> I know. Wild times. So funny. I, I still can't believe they blew it. I can't believe it. It was three to one. It was three, it was to, three one to one. They blew it. It was three to one. And like, I know we just had a lot of experience watching Montreal last year when the Flyers had their difficulties with them, but the Flyers took care of business. They wrapped it up against them. Toronto just couldn't shut them down. They couldn't finish it out. And like, you could say what you will about Tavares getting injured like he did in the first game, but yeah. that was the first game. And that sucks. And they, were and they won three the next one. three. Like, you got to be you. You're up three one against a team that you're higher seeded. Then you got to be able to close that. No, no, Sandra Butts. And that lineup's just stacked. I mean, Montreal had some nice additions they made since last year. Like Toffoli's worked out really well for them. But I mean, they won three straight games after they put Eric Gustafson in the lineup. So I mean, <laughs> you're welcome. That's all it takes. We mocked that last week on VSA. I remember we went out and and it you know that he, he didn't do anything, but they they. I don't know. They pulled it out. I don't really understand it beyond carry price is going to carry price sometimes, but sports are stupid. It worked out. It's, it's something. So yeah. What uh, a so stupid this... shitty sport. And we then... could be watching Matthews McDavid and instead we're watching, we're watching this. Hellebuck and I guess Hellebuck and Price is a good goalie matchup. That's the most interesting thing about the series. Um, yeah. I mean, Winnipeg, I, I didn't, I wasn't super optimistic that Edmonton was going to win that series because they're cursed and 
you know, they've had these two good players well, for a long time, either. and that doesn't mean that they're going to win. But I thought they were going to win. I think in our site predictions, I took Edmonton and seven in that series because, like, you know, I would, I was, it was not hard to foresee a scenario in which, like, like Connor Hellebuck went nuts and Winnipeg's got some good players and Edmonton has some bad players and some things could go wrong. But no, I certainly did not see a four games. No, I didn't either. I actually took Winnipeg, but I didn't take them in four games. Like, that's. It's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Even with like guys like Ehlers, who I, I love Ehlers. Ehlers is fantastic and Hellebuck, and they have some great center depth. And I I just am, am stunned by this. But yeah. the thing is, Edmonton's just not a deep team at the end of the day. They are not a deep team. And it's not yeah. basketball where you can have two players, and that's all the difference sometimes. Like, Washington gave the Sixers a couple fits because they had Beal and Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Oh, the popcorn! But, you know... <laughs> Having two good players can make a difference in the NBA. Having two great players, you're still shit out of luck in the NHL. Two great players. I will not talk about the popcorn instant. I will not talk about the popcorn instant. Yeah, I mean, it's what are they going to do? Like, when's Connor McDavid going to? We keep talking about Jack Eichel asking for a trade. When's Connor McDavid going to ask for a trade? Like, that. that's, that's the content that we need. Oh, I want it to happen so bad. And that guy's going to suffer silently for most of his career. Yeah. I mean, th- that team's in a tough tough way cap-wise, too, if I remember right. So, I mean, tends to happen when you have, you know, you're, you know, it's partly because your two best players are making $20 million between them. But, you know, that's worth it because they provide value no one else probably can. But then you also well, have like their entire defense. For, it's not that? like they're paying for Kane and Taves at the point in their career. No, that they're no. At. Like, like, Kane is still... They're giving the Blackhawks lots of value, but Taves is like, you know, Taves have an injury problems at this point, you know, yeah. and, but the, these guys are too, like the kind of what Connor McDavid did in the regular season this year was just bonkers. stunning. Bonkers. Up bonkers. And yeah, it, their cap friendly is interesting because they've basically, they've got those two, they've got two other bad contracts or two other four on bad contracts, James Neal. <laughs> And uh, Zach Kassin, <laughs> who are under contract for two and three more years after this one. And then almost the entire rest of their forward group is a free is free agency this offseason. Some RFAs, but a lot of UFAs. And their defense is also not, like, good. Uh, they've got Darnell Nurse. They've got Adam Larson of traded for one for trade. Uh, trade was one for one fame. Um, Tyson Berry, who, boy, did he jump on that train at the right time. Yeah, their, their team's not good. Their team's not good, other than those two guys. And, like, it should be harder to – and even even that acknowledged, it should be harder to lose than it is when you've got one of them on the ice for at least half the game. But it's not. It's not. And their goalies aren't good either. Mike Smith actually had a pretty solid year. But, you know, sometimes when you got to lean on a 40-year-old for a lot of games, he just sort of stops being good. That's what happened in the playoffs. Well, and also Mike – Mike Smith has always kind of been a streaky goalie. He's never... Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's never been, like, a rock-solid guy you can lean on. It's mm-hmm. just not... It's not a great setup, especially defensively. Oh, Car- Carolina really, wins. Carolina wins. You are ahead of me in the feed, my friend. In overtime. You're ahead of me. But wow. go- All right, good on the Canes. There you go. Oh, yep, wow. making the series. There you go. I like it. Good on the Canes. Yeah, I like it, Ooh, too. Ooh, with Kucherov in the box. Ooh, okay. I saw they were on a power play. I think I missed Ooh. that. That's fun. It's a spicy made a ball right there. I... I'm so disappointed we're not seeing Matthews McDavid because that would just be, I really want them to be Crosby Ovechkin 2.0, but it's not going to happen. But this would have been the one year where we could have had that kind of series. When they're both in the same division. Yeah. That's, that's, mm, that would be great. 
Oh well. Yeah. So yeah, we we spent we spent eighty percent of the time on this Montreal Winnipeg series talking about teams that aren't Montreal and Winnipeg, and I for one am fine with it. Because the only thing to really talk about, only thing to really talk about in that series so far was the hit at the end of that game last night. Yeah, and that hit was I was really stunned by that because so you got Jake Evans from the Habs who does a wraparound backhander to get the empty netter to seal the game for Montreal. And then he gets rocked a second later by Mark Scheifele. And I don't think I've ever seen a guy get rocked like that during an empty netter. And it was like, it just seems so unnecessary. I've seen a lot of explanations all over the place as far as like saying like, well, you know, Scheifele's momentum was going already, but from my naked eyes, that looked like a frustration hit. That looked like a guy who was pissed off that his team just lost a game to the Montreal Canadiens and just laid a dude out because mm-hmm. he was pissed off he lost. Yeah, like, I can see how someone in good faith could look at that and say, I mean, the guy has the puck and he's trying and he's about to score a goal and you're trying to hit him. I could see how someone could believe that. But also, I mean, just fucking watch it. Like, he skates three quarters of the, and you know the video from the Department of Player Safety points out what any of us with our eyes can see. He skates three quarters of the way down the ice with the guy in mind and barely attempts to play the puck. Like he doesn't make an earnest attempt to play the puck until it's basically already in the net. Like he half-heartedly sticks his arm out like with the stick towards the puck as it's going into the net, where he knows he's not going to have a chance. At no point in the in his streaking towards Evans does he like put his stick out towards where Evans is and towards where the puck is. And you can see he just wants to rock this dude. And it's, you know, the the term that they use in the video, the term that's in the definition of charging is like, it's a very violent check. And some people don't see that as a problem. Some people really don't. And I think it's just, it's like a lack of respect. You know, I mean, it's just not a hit. Like, no person really needs to think that hit is necessary unless you think you've got to send some kind of message, which was a thing I saw said today. But it's just not – that's not how you need to send it. Whacking a guy on an empty net and skating three-quarters of the way down the ice with him in your crosshairs like that is just not how this is supposed to work. Like, it's just disrespectful and a really violent hit that, again, made a lot of head contact, like shook the guy up. And it's, you know, it's just not how this is supposed to go. It's just not. He went in with the intention of rocking him. Yeah. He just wanted to. Barely attempts to play the puck. That's, that's the whole issue. And it's not like Evans did anything to deserve that. He just potted an empty netter to seal the game. That's all he did. He wasn't, like, taunting them or anything like that. He wasn't being an asshole. He just scored an empty netter. And he like scored a, a damn good empty netter. No, he didn't do any of that. He scored a damn good backhanded uh, wraparound empty netter. It was nice. It was a nice way to end the game. And, you know, it's just unnecessary. And I'm glad they at least suspended Shifley for four games, which it could make a difference in this series because Shifley is an important player for Winnipeg. Mm, Yeah. I mean, he's one of their three or four best forwards. It'll be, it'll be tough to see what they tough for them to, you know, get by without him. I mean, they are mostly a team that survives and thrives on Connor Hellebuck. Good nights. So, it may not change that much, but, you know, they'll miss him. They will obviously miss him. Yeah, well, I mean, he got what he deserved. It was a completely unnecessary hit. It really just, you hate to see it. And I don't <laughs> say it again without an ounce of sarcasm in our voice, but like, yeah. you really do hate to see it. And this is just unnecessary shit that's bad for the game of hockey. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's just 
you, the only thing you wanted to do was rock that guy. And like they said in the video, Shifley attempted to t- tell us that he just wanted to make a hockey play and stop a goal from being scored. And like, you, it is hard to watch that video and think that he didn't just want to hit the guy first and say, you know, if I stop him from scoring, that's kind of a bonus, but yeah, is what it is. And, you know, I hope Jake Evans is okay. Um, you know, you saw in the video there that Nikolai Ehlers was sort of pushing the ensuing scrum, like scrum away from Jake Evans, who's lying on the ground with what looked like a serious injury. So, you know, good on him for doing that. But, you know, I hope he's okay. And the punishment is just, you could say you deserve more, but I mean, four games for a hit on a, in the playoffs on for a guy who doesn't have any sort of history, didn't expect much more. Um, so, is what it is. Yeah. That's, I think, about the most you're, you're probably going to get in that situation, and the punishment fits the crime. Yeah. So, we'll see how that series plays out. I mean, I I didn't think Montreal was going to have much of a chance, but who knows now? We oh, I think, be I think at... they definitely have a chance in that series. Like, I, I'm not terribly impressed by them, but they aren't, I mean, they're not nothing. And they were a decent team in the season, during the season. Um, they're not terribly exciting, but they can they can beat Winnipeg, who I also think is not that good. Um, other than goaltending and Carey Price has been on one in the playoffs as you know he often is so they could they could win I don't think and they'd have mu- don't before. think they'd have much of a chance after this round like any of the other team well well they'd be in the lower half of the bracket against presumably either the winner of Carolina Tampa or the winner of Colorado Vegas and I don't see how they win those, either of those series so they reseed after this round right? yes they do Okay, so if it's Colorado, Montreal, yikes. That wouldn't go well. And Carolina or Tampa against Montreal, probably also not going to go well. No, no, not not very much so. I'm Oof, I didn't even think about that. That's ugly. That's an yeah. ugly final conference final right there, but we That's Give us two of the, Give us two of those four teams in the cup. Uh, the winners of Colorado, Vegas, probably Colorado, whoever wins Tampa, Carolina. Just give us those two. That seems like where this needs to end up. Three-way tournament for the Stanley Cup final and just send Montreal home with the Canada Award. <laughs> the Canada Award. What, what trophy can you give to whoever wins the North Division? You just give them a giant maple leaf. Yeah, big bottle of maple syrup. Yeah, that's all you give them and say, congratulations, you aren't playing any more hockey. Can mm-hmm. we get the Stanley Cup? No! Mm-hmm. Not a chance. Of course, of course, the Canadian team's not going to win the Stanley Cup. What is this? What is this? Is this hockey Canada's national sport that the Americans barely care about? <laughs> Come on. They're not going to win the Cup. No Love it. Oh, it's fun being a fan of a niche sport. Isn't it, though? All right, Kurt. It's the best. It's the absolute best. Just All right, Kurt. Let's wrap this sucker up. Yeah. What I've been asking people while we've been wrapping it up, well, asking people, you're the second person I've asked, but I asked Charlie for a media recommendation, be it TV, movie, or music. What can you recommend to people for the summer for their viewing or listening pleasure? Well, let's see here. I've, I've mostly been pretty detached from things lately because of all the sports I've been watching. Um, this is this is an extraordinarily chalk pick here, but we um, we we found out recently we're moving to New Jersey this summer. So after putting it off for several years, I'm finally starting to watch The Sopranos. Um, oh, there you go. That's that's a big one. Um, what was the one that just came back? Um, I just rewatched The Sopranos uh, a couple months back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that's going to be a lot of my TV time that isn't spent watching sports going forward. Though that's a tough one because I mean, 
if I'm just looking for something to put on in the background while I'm killing time during work, like that's not a great show for that. I want to be able to you no, know, no. watch it. And, um, and yeah, again, at, at night I'm watching the Sixers or hockey. So I don't have time for that, but I'll, I'll find, I'll find a way. Um, much lighter note. And this is actually a pretty well-known show in Canada. I believe um, the fifth, the last season of Kim's convenience just hit Netflix. And my wife and I watched through that at some point during the pandemic, not a, you know, Charming little show, not not super exciting, but you know they all they all talk in funny Canadian accents, and uh, I enjoy it. Um, we're we're excited <laughs> to get to that. Uh, the last season of that, it was supposed to run longer. There was some drama about how it got canceled, but uh, but yeah. So I'm not I'm not as good with TV recommendations as others are. So I, I'm no, that's disappointing uh, you know, to follow up Charlie not... like that. But is you know, <laughs> listen, I was not fully prepared for Charlie to give me a full music breakdown. <laughs> past year okay that was way more than i was. anticipated i thought it was just going to be you know check out this album and move on it gave me a full i was delighted to get it it was awesome but you know I, that's not my expectation the same way he approaches hockey he goes all out on it oh he does i we, and much we love respect. It, to be clear. I cannot do on either music or hockey what chuck does so you know kudos to charlie for that indubitably indubitably all right kurt Thank you for your media recommendation right there. Uh, if people have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach Kurt at what's the old Twitter handle, Kurt? You can find me at Kurt underscore BSH. And having, let's see, what am I going to talk about in this next, in that little time here? Having, having talked through the playoff series, I feel like I should write something soon on how this, how these playoff series affect the Flyers with just my random thoughts that, that came up while we were talking about the various, um, various playoff series here and my thoughts about them that inevitably tie back to the flyers because everything's about us haven't you heard it's all about the flyers baby it is you can follow me at fly Perbly or at estebon but if it's for hockey make it fly Perbly. follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and be sure to listen to all of our great podcast offerings on broad street hockey all right folks that's all we got thanks so much for listening and until next time in the words of the great gene hart good night and good hockey Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Throw show. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.